2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me, your host for the evening, Matt Bruning, at MB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, and if you want to check any of them out, go to FullTimeFantasy.com. It is your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. Dennis, who you can follow at culture underscore coach, and Matt is joining me today. You can follow him at nighthawk seven thousand seven hundred thirty four. We are going to continue our preview series. We will be talking about the top two teams in the NFC South in uh, from twenty nineteen, which were the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. What do we think they will do in the twenty twenty NFL season? Alright, what's going on everybody? We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. We are back here on this beautiful Monday, May 25th, Memorial Day. We're going to be talking about the NFC South as we continue our division previews. We wrapped up the NFC North last week with the Bears and Lions. Those were the last two teams that we did. Uh, We will continue doing guests on Thursdays as we have been, but matt dennis how you guys doing today how was your weekends how are your memorial days going for you as of right now
3: well mine is going great i've been working on the new podcast studio i'm building in my garage and i've got uh about uh, two-thirds of the walls done so i'm probably two or three weeks away from trying to do my first show from there i'm pretty psyched about that
1: pretty good here we uh we barbecued yesterday, so it's uh, been a little uh, quieter today. Got a little uh, nap in, so, you know, trying to recover that lost uh, pandemic sleep.
2: Yeah, I was hoping to take one today, and then I completely forgot about this and all the, the lawn stuff I got to do today, so hoping for an early bedtime tonight for this old man. So, so let's if we talk- see
1: you uh, kind of just slip off, we'll, we'll know this. You uh, did, I'll just you did schedule the, the nap. I'll-
2: like Yeah, yeah I was like, you know what? I can squeeze in five minutes here really quick. What do you guys think the- about Drew Brees? Yeah, exactly. There we, there we go. Speaking of Drew Brees, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. They went to 13-3 last year, lost to the Vikings in the divisional round, and another heartbreaking loss, which I think makes the third year in a row now that they've kind of got knocked out of the playoffs off of just like, not only say bad calls, but just, just horrible heartbreaking losses there in the playoffs. Was it three years ago, the Minneapolis yeah. Miracle, then you had – Two years oh, that's ago, right.
1: they lost the Minnesota twice.
2: Yeah, lost to Minnesota twice. Won this one,
1: this one had to be the worst just because of who beat them.
2: Well, Captain Clutch, Captain Kurt? Yeah, I imagine, you know, when you, well, when you are Captain Clutch, you, you tend to win those games. I can't remember what happened in that game. There was something that happened that caused a lot of controversy. It wasn't the uh, was Rudolph touchdown? He pushed off. That's right. It,
1: the, it looked like he pushed off, but there was some other. Uh, there was something else
2: in there that, yeah, I don't remember what it was, but regardless, I, this is- I think the anger
1: came because they instituted that replay on and they would potentially game winning pass and they, yeah. refi- they refused to use it.
2: Well, and that, and that went away this year as well. So we saw how long that lasted. They didn't even keep it in for an entire year, but uh, yeah, so three years in a row before we get on to new additions and expiring contracts. Do we think Drew Brees comes back after this season or, Is there a stipulation in there? So, for instance, do one of you think maybe he wins a championship and then he walks away, or for sure you think he will be playing for the next two years as he signed a two-year contract this offseason?
3: You know, I could see it going either way. He's uh, you know, spreading the salary out and the bonus out over two years is a good business move for the Saints. And at this point in his career, I'm sure Breeze wants to do whatever he can to help the team um uh, if they go deep into the playoffs maybe uh, win the Super Bowl make the Super Bowl I, I think he'd be more inclined to retire if they win it than he would if they lose
2: mm-hmm.
3: but uh, uh it's you know it's a tough spot I, I on one hand you know they brought in a quarterback of the future uh to stick around a couple years and now he's starting in Carolina. They bring in Jameis, who's a proven starter in the NFL. Say what you will about him. He's a starting quality quarterback. And I don't know that he's going to sit around for two years. Uh, you know, after seeing what some of the other quote unquote starters that uh, were looking for jobs signed for after him, I don't think he's going to do the old 1.1 million uh Contract like he did this year. I think next year he's going to be out there uh, looking to get paid and find a job. And if it's not with with uh, New Orleans, it'll it'll be somewhere else. So uh, i I think the only place if, if Breeze leaves, I think Winston stays. If Breeze comes back another year, I think Winston goes. Uh, but I could see, like I said, I could see it going either way with Breeze. You know, he's very he's competitive. He wants to win. He wants to play.
1: They, they already have Breeze's successor on there, and it's not old crab legs. It's a guy Damn. who's on a, on a multi-year contract for 20 million, dollars, so you can take yes. that 1.1 1. 1 and stick it where the sun don't shine. I think for Breeze, uh, it probably depends on how this year goes. I think a lot of why he wanted to come back is obviously three kind of painful losses for teams that, I, I mean, I know at least the last two years I thought they were the team i was picking to come out of the nfc and watching and last yeah. year was especially disappointing so i you know i feel like they feel like they're close and they want to make one more run i think that's why you saw them you know no more of this can ted Ginn or traequan do it they went out and got emmanuel sanders they went and got some pieces on defense they got some people back saying hey you know maybe we made mistakes and shouldn't have done this before they've you know made sure that they have depth in case something happens to drew Brees. i think if they win a championship he for sure doesn't come back but i don't know if he even comes back if if they go out again like they have yeah i mean how many times do you want to just get right up to the precipice and get slapped back before you say okay it's a sign
2: yeah, that's, I, I honestly think he's only coming back for one year. I mean, he already signed to—I can't remember what network, but he's going to work with some network in, in on the CBS, I think. Yeah, yeah, once once he's done with football, and I, I think it can go into effect next season if that's what he decides. I really think he decided to just come back for one more year. Now, I really well, it's think kind of like
1: Rivers, happens. right? I mean, they're yeah. talking about Philip Rivers isn't that old, yeah. he could come back, but he already signed and had a press conference for being coach of a high school football team. Yeah. So they've definitely made some options for post NFL life.
3: Look, yeah. as as one as our guest in a couple about three weeks is gonna tell us, there was a time when NFL players had second jobs. Yeah, so sure. Rivers little, doing yeah. that. Breeze doing that. It's not it's not all that uncommon. What what once was old is now new again.
1: Yeah, but how are you coaching the high school team full time if you're actually in the NFL still? Those seasons seem like they kind of over Zoom. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: that, no, right? Friday like, nights, you know, Sunday. So I
1: mean what
3: really like what are they doing on Friday nights? They've wrapped up the, they're actually, not installing the game plan. You,
1: you know you do bring up a good point. Was it do you guys watch all or nothing on uh, on the Ferris yeah, uh, have- there's I think it was this last uh, season where the one for Carolina, they were showing somebody was actually a coach for their kids, high school team, and they were getting on a plane and going, might've been Greg Olson getting on a plane and going home and coaching the games on Friday night and then flying back to be with the team.
2: Well, I know Steve Smith did that when he left to go to Baltimore, I think, right. Is that he went after, after Carolina I believe he was coming back from Baltimore, going to Carolina almost every weekend and and coaching his son's football team and then coming back up to Baltimore wherever they were going for the games. I mean, he could do it. I just – I don't think he's going to play more than one year either. I think I think both these guys are in for, for one more season, the 2020 season, and then they will be moving on both, I think, making it into the Hall of Fame. But I guess there's a little bit more uh, discussion around that second guy, Rivers, than there is around Breeze. So new additions for the New Orleans Saints. They added Jameis Winston and Emmanuel Sanders that you guys both already talked about. The, the next uh, two that really kind of stood out, Adam Troutman in the draft, and Ty Montgomery at running back, which was uh, an interesting signing, obviously already having Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. Expiring contracts after this year, as we have talked about as well, Jameis Winston is only on that one-year deal, so he can leave new orleans after this year jared cook and of course alvin kamara's rookie contract will be up the fantasy finishes for 2020 drew Brees finished qb 26 with 206.8 points he did miss five games with the injury averaged 20.68 points so had he averaged that throughout the five games he was out he would have finished with 310.2 points would have been qb 6 alvin kamara While I've been talking about how he was semi-disappointing last year, he did finish just outside the top 12 at running back. RB 13 with 187.3 points. Latavius Murray, RB 29 uh, with that's not right. It must be 132.3 points. Uh, Michael Thomas finishes wide receiver one easily. 293.4 points, 60 points higher than the next closest wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders, who did come over from San Francisco, so this is his stats from last year, finishes wide receiver 26 with 150.3 points. I'm uh, sorry, with was San Francisco and Denver last year, so he was with both those teams uh, before now joining New Orleans this offseason. And then Jared Cook, another guy that we've talked about being extremely disappointing last year, finished in the top 10 at tight end, finishing as tight end 7 with 134.6 points. So, Dennis, Matt, I don't know if either one of you have him, but you're in it to win it this year. You have a championship fantasy football team. You're going all in to win the 2020 season. Are you taking a shot in a startup draft on Drew Brees extremely late as he is being drafted here as the eighth quarter? I'm sorry, the 23rd quarterback off the board with an ADP of 198. Are you taking him to possibly help you win your fantasy championship team this year?
3: I think you'd be silly not to. I mean, he's a proven playmaker. He's got great weapons in uh, Kamara and Michael Thomas. Adding uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders to the mix, so it's it's a no brainer for me.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of shares of Drew Brees. Actually, I I would say seventy percent of my leagues that I'm in are super flex. Uh, and he's a guy – in fact, one of my teams I almost named a tale of two Drews since I have him in lock as my <laughs> quarterbacks. And despite what I said about crab legs, it was a startup, so I did take him just in case something happens to one of one half of my tale of two Drews.
3: I mean, Breeze had almost 400 pass attempts in 11 games last season yeah. uh, and just ba- just barely under 3,000 yards. So he- he's mm-hmm. completed – 70 uh, over 74 percent of his passes i don't think any of that changes for the saints this year well
1: that's what what bob talked about on thursday he had him on there as one of those he's one of the consistently undervalued guys and the consistency guy at quarterback because you know barring injury when he's out there he's been consistent the saints haven't
2: always been consistent but he's been consistent so would you guys be willing to take him as your first qb drafted though if we all think that – we all seem to come to the consensus he's probably only playing for one more year. So if you're going to say wait on quarterback strategy, like a lot of people do, especially in this industry, say you kind of flirt with that lineup a little bit too much, like I have in the past. How comfortable would you be taking Breeze as your one quarterback to start with and then grabbing trying to think of who's been going even further behind him. I'd have to look at someone not as good, much, much
1: I think in dynasty, though, that's not really the way those startups work. Where I have been finding Breeze as a great success is when you wait on quarterback and take some younger guys that are question marks. And then you grab a guy like Breeze who's going much deeper in, you know, Breeze, Brady, Rivers. There's a bunch of guys that are that we think are going to be good in 2020 that are going way further back in these dynasty drafts. In a redraft, you know, if you want to wait on quarterback, maybe Breeze ends up being the first guy you take in about the kind of same depth. But I think in Dynasty, you can't – if you're waiting all the way to where you're taking – naturally taking Breeze and he's your first quarterback, you're going to be trying to bottom out or trying to get some top picks in the next few drafts because it probably means you have no young quarterback. Well, I
3: definitely think there's a strategy – to play in a startup, if you, let's say you trade back out of the first and then trade up from, let's say, seventh or eighth round, and so second through sixth or seventh round, maybe you've got eight or nine picks, but then you're going to have a stretch of three or four rounds where you may only have one pick. Taking somebody, you know, taking Breeze, Roethlisberger, Rivers, you know, three guys like that, late in the you know 11th, 12th, 13th round of a startup, but you're stacking them with higher level position players because you have yeah. put together a bunch of picks in that second through seventh round. Uh, I definitely think that's a viable strategy.
2: I was trying to pull up a roster because I did this last year. Now, obviously, I wasn't sure. I thought Breeze was going to come back and play a little bit longer, but we didn't know for sure him being on an expiring contract I was trying to pull up my team really here, really quick because I actually took him as my my one and only quarterback that year. I got Gardner Minshew off the waiver. Wire. So this is a team I ended up with where I did pretty much what you said, Dennis. This is a, a 14-teamer. I ended up with trading different picks and everything, moving around. I ended up getting Zeke, Mark Ingram, and where did my other quarter – my running backs go here? Well, I, I drafted some other picks, so I ended up with Jonathan Taylor, but I didn't have him. Last year, where – there we go. Philip Lindsay,
1: Of
3: course. And
2: that was it for my running backs. That was last year, though, again. Uh, hey, it's my guy. So, you know, the, the not a bad running back core for last year. But my wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, Debo Samuel, Jarvis Landry, uh, Terry McLaurin, Preston Williams. Well, uh, I saw Michael Crabtree on this team. Holy crap. This is what happens when you play in way too many leagues. You, you have guys in your – on your rosters, but that was kind of what happened. I went, I went heavy in on these, on these position players early to try and get some mm. more guys. I, I have more guys on there, but I, I focused in on those guys. And before I noticed everybody else had gone quarterbacks and I was left with guys. Like I ended up, you know, it was breeze or whomever Phillip rivers and I ended up just taking breeze. And I got lucky that I got Gardner Minshew off the waiver wire. Cause I literally did not draft another quarterback I, that he was yeah. the only one I had. So I was just so, curious if, if that's something you guys would buy into and in keeping Breeze well, for knowing you're only going to likely have him for one year.
1: So I just did this in a uh, Superflex startup that we we did uh, a week ago. Uh, it was Superflex Tight End Premium. I went and got a bunch of wide receivers and tight ends first. Uh, I mm-hmm. took Michael Thomas, Sutton. I took Lamb. I took George Kittle. I took Fant. I wanted to make sure because it's two points for every reception for tight ends. So I did all that. I and then I think around the eighth round I took Drew Locke, and then I waited until the twelfth, or thirteenth round, and went and got Breeze, and figured, you know, later toward the bottom, I picked up Winston just in case, and Rivers. But I, I think that's a a that's still going to be a perfectly decent strategy, and if you have some really strong performers at these other positions. Breeze is going to be good in this year and it gives you some time.
2: All right. Can both Kamara and Latavius Murray be fine fantasy viable in 2021? I'm sorry, in 2020 or can they both be in 2021? Yes.
3: Yeah. I, I think it, you have to make sure you have the right expectations if you expect, you know, Kamara to be top five and Murray to be top 15, you're probably going to be let down. Uh, I think it's within the range of outcomes for Kamara to finish top five, but I'd probably feel better expecting top eight out of him. Um, and then Murray, somewhere between RB 20 and 30 for me.
1: Yeah, the finish for Murray is probably like last year going to depend a little bit on the health of Kamara because we saw some explosive games for Latavius Murray during times when Alvin Kamara was unavailable, but regardless of whether Kamara plays a full season, you're going to get something out of Murray.
2: I would, I think those are guys you are both grabbing. Okay. Well with Murray, would you guys be willing to say we're in a league together? Dennis is the Kamara owner, Matt, you don't have Kamara, but it's getting to a point where, I don't know, you've already drafted we're starting two. you got two flex you've already got three running backs bunch of good wide receivers you don't really need murray as a starter more than say you're probably looking at him as more of a bi-week fill-in is he a guy that you'd be willing to take a bet on due to possibly the injury issues we've seen with kamara maybe as you just mentioned we know that he's got a little bit of upside or is he a guy you would just pass on and and just keep on moving
1: I think it really depends on where we are in the draft. I was trying to look for Murray's yeah, contract trying to
2: put his up really quick. I think they're both free. No Murray wouldn't be a free. No, guy. So Latavius
1: Damn. Murray is under contract for three more seasons at three a pretty okay. reasonable rate. Um, you know, they could get out of a dead cap 1.7. If they uh, release him after this year, 850,000, if they release him after next year, he's 29 years old. Uh, but you know, two point nine million for that range of a running back isn't that bad. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy for the Saints, but I think in that kind of an offense, there's always going to be some production to be had. And he's we've seen him be successful in this kind of a role in both Minnesota when he was behind Cook and in New Orleans. So it depends on where you're at in the draft, but in that kind of range, when you're looking to fill out your bench, I think that's where I've seen Murray go a lot. Um, you know, sometimes saints owners will, or Kamara owners will try to reach a little bit up and, and handcuff if they're worried about it. But, um, you know, I think he's got some decent value there.
3: I think the, the biggest issue with Murray for me is, uh, consistency. So he, he can produce at a high level when he gets the ball a lot. Uh, but if Kamara is having a great game, or if the Saints are playing from behind, that reduces the effectiveness of Latavius Murray. So there, there is you know, that's probably my only caveat with Latavius Murray is his end of the season numbers might look better than his actual game to game numbers.
1: Yeah, consistency.
2: Yeah, how high would you? Reach for him. So his ADP is at 196 right now. He's being drafted as the 66th running back off the board. Right around, just ahead of him, guys like Ryqual Armstead, Eno Benjamin, Justice Hill, Naheem Hines, and Justin Jackson. And then right below him, Bryce Love, Devonta Freeman, Malcolm Brown, Benning Snell. Those are kind of the only fantasy relevant guys I see if those would you even consider fantasy relevant. So how much higher would you go to stay draft a-, a Latavius Murray? A 196. I don't even know what round that is, because I was told there would be no math. So let's see here. That would be around round sixteen. Yeah. How higher would you go? Fourteen? Fifteen? Say you're the Kamara owner and you want to make sure that you have him. As your backup in case something happens to Kamara,
3: I mean, would you? I'd like to think if I'm in round 16, I've already drafted somebody that's going to get more playing time than yeah. Murray. Uh, and so, if I lose Kamara, I already have somebody that will uh, that I that I'd be more apt to put into my starting lineup. So I don't know. I'm I might go up to 15. But I'm probably still – I'm probably drafting my second quarterback in 14.
2: Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like him better than a lot of the guys you've mentioned, uh, kind of in that range. But I, I don't think that's a guy you're jumping up real high to get. And it also probably depends on some of the construction in in a draft you're doing. You know, what is the scoring? What are the positional requirements? I mean, I could even see going later than that for – for him if you're in a, a league where you have to have multiple quarterbacks or where tight ends and receivers are worth more.
2: Can Michael Thomas be the number one wide receiver in fantasy? Again, having a guy like Emmanuel Sanders next to him, we have seen obviously some of those guys produce here and there, mostly Ted kid having those best ball days, you know, Manuel Sanders is a much different wide receiver and a much better wide receiver than he's had across from him in quite a long time. How much does this affect Michael Thomas in the 2020 season?
3: I I think Thomas can. If you look at the numbers, you know, Teddy Bridgewater averaged about 155 yards per game versus 270 yards per game for Drew Brees. So – they're going to throw the ball more with Breeze, just based on how they how the team operates. So putting Thomas up at, at the wide receiver one spot, well within the outcome of range of outcomes for him. Uh, honestly, if he finished outside the top three, I think that would be uh, a bit of an upset.
2: Yeah,
1: Matt. Yeah, and I mean, I. I think he's still going to be a top threat. You you talk about Emmanuel Sanders maybe talent-wise being a little bit better, but he has always been kind of a, a big boom bust. I just pulled up his game logs with San Francisco, and obviously they aren't an incredibly robust passing offense, but it seemed like Kittle and Samuels were there to kind of be more of a focal point than him. He only had two games with the 49ers where he had uh, seven receptions. Most games he had two or three receptions. Only a couple of games did he even have four or five. I think he is a better complimentary receiver than what they had with uh, Ted Ginn. He's more of a weapon. I think this is more of a, Hey, you know, Ginn probably isn't the answer. We haven't seen any of our young shots at wide receiver that we've tried to take guys like Smith or step up. We want a good, solid, number two guy goes with the with cook being a good solid tight end they have some passing running backs i don't think any of that impacts michael thomas uh like, you know and we've seen you can't cover him they were yeah. doing their best coverage and he was their only receiving threat and he was still yeah. getting everything kind of almost like with hopkins in houston you're like oh these other guys are all gonna take away. no they may have games where they get some stuff but he's the guy
3: yeah, Emmanuel Sanders is probably the best wide receiver from a technical standpoint to play across from Michael Thomas in Michael Thomas's career. Yeah. And that and that's going to it th- that's going to help open up the passing game even more.
1: And he's also 33 years old. I mean, Sanders isn't a young young receiver and he's had some pretty serious injuries including having blown his Achilles.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it'll take much away from Thomas, but as Dennis said, I wouldn't be surprised if if he drops a little bit. I, I would be surprised if he dropped out of top three, like both of you said, but I could see a Devontae Adams. See, I don't even know if I want to put Hopkins up there right now because I don't know what's going to happen with Arizona, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's dethroned a little bit. I mean, it would seem crazy to say this at the end of last year. Again, he finished 60 points higher than the next closest wide receiver. Uh, but I do think a lot of that was Breeze was forcing it into him because he knew he could trust him. And while Emmanuel Sanders I don't think is going to be huge for fantasy, uh, I do think that he will take some away from Thomas because that means Breeze doesn't have to force him the ball. He has another wide receiver he can go to. Uh, so I don't – I'll just jump right into it. Emmanuel Sanders, what do we expect out of him in twenty twenty? Uh, I don't expect him to finish. I actually think he'll finish probably behind wide receiver 26. I think he's going to be more of like a middle tier to low end wide receiver three compared to that high end wide receiver three. We saw him finish as uh, with the Denver and San Francisco uh, teams in last year. Matt, what do you think we can expect from Sanders from a fantasy perspective in 2020?
1: Yeah, that's probably accurate. Maybe a high end uh, wide receiver three. I was just looking Ted Ginn last year. Uh, Played in all 16, only started nine games, got 56 targets, 30 receptions, 421 yards. I think we all think he's a little bit better uh, than that. So, Michael Thomas, 185 targets, even if he comes down to, say, 150 targets and you get, you know, around 80 targets for Emmanuel Sanders, that might make uh, some sense.
3: Yeah, I think uh, at 97 targets for Kamara. I don't think that really drops much. I think it'll stay right around there. Uh, overall, for uh, for Sanders to move into uh, high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two, I do think the the Saints' passing game in general is going to have to uh, take a step up. And with a healthy Drew Brees for sixteen games, it's certainly possible for that to happen.
2: Since you mentioned that, I actually kind of want to ask a question I didn't even think about until just now. You mentioned a healthy Drew Brees and hoping that it could take a step up. There was a lot of talk last year that the reason Brees looked so good at the back half of the season was because, in essence, he did get those five to six weeks off. He had the five weeks of the injury and the bye week in there, where if we remember the year prior, the Saints, Brees, and that offense really kind of took a hit. On that back half of the season, a lot of people thought Breeze was kind of losing it. Does that worry either one of you now moving forward? Do you think that the rest kind of helped him at all uh, with the last year and kind of looking as productive as he did toward the end?
3: Well, I definitely think not getting hit for six weeks is beneficial to a a player's health. Um, But also, you go into a season expecting a certain amount of maintenance is going to have to occur you know they're at 40 41 years old 42 years old breeze is gonna they're gonna go easy on him in practice he knows the offense he knows what they're gonna do he's got good rapport with his receivers and they bring in sanders so there's really only one receiver he has to worry about uh getting a better rapport with uh troutman's going to be the third tight end it's going to be josh hill and and uh, oh, uh, Jared Cook and it's going to be Kamara and Murray at the running back position so he's familiar with everybody he isn't going to need to put in a bunch of reps to get comfortable so they'll be able to cons- conserve him throughout the year uh,
1: I, I think they passed uh, what they throw last year 581 times I just actually looked that up Last year they had more pass attempts than the two previous years.
3: Right. And so they could potentially end up, you know, breaking that 600 barrier. You get a couple hundred targets for uh, Michael Thomas, 100 for Kamara, 80 or 85 for Sanders, 65 for Cook. You know, you're putting up some numbers with that offense
1: and I think one of the things that may have helped uh, actually the passing game last year is it didn't seem like the running game was uh, very effective at all. Not just uh, Kamara, but, uh, you know, they weren't getting huge robust rushing efforts from Latavius Murray either. So you're uh, saying Murray
3: is not as good as Mark Ingram? Is that what I hear?
1: Uh, well, Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps.
2: All right. Let's see here. So, Jared Cook, I mentioned earlier that we, we always kind of talk about how bad he was for fantasy. You know, granted, we we probably many of us, including myself, thought he was going to come in and be the next Jimmy Graham, and that clearly did not happen. But he did finish as a top 10 tight end last year. He finished as tight end seven. Do we expect him to be top 10 again this year in 2020?
3: It could happen. I mean, after tight end five, it's such a crapshoot.
1: Yeah, and that was with him missing two games last year. He only played 14. I was looking, 43 receptions, 705 yards, and nine touchdowns. I think the the thing that may determine whether or not he's up there is, you know, touchdowns. Um, Because 43 for 705, it's not incredible. It's not terrible. But if he only got, say, four touchdowns instead of nine, I think that would make a big swing.
3: He, he had five games with double digit points. He had let's see five five games with under six points. Okay So there's certainly something to be uh, said for his lack of consistency there. little boom or
1: bust, yeah.
2: All right, so we talked about at the beginning. We all kind of seem to have come to a consensus that Drew Brees probably is going to leave after this year, even though he signed a two-year contract. Who are we expecting to take over once Brees leaves? I already know where Matt's going. Damn it, Matt's going. So I'll let Dennis actually take the other side. Do you think Dennis Winston will be the guy for Brees, or for the Saints when he takes over, and how successful do you think he could be moving forward as the future quarterback of the Saints?
3: Well, I I think that uh, if Breeze is done after next year, it would be in New Orleans' interest to bring uh, Winston back. You've got a guy who's been in the system for a year, he knows the offense now. And, you know, lots of quarterbacks win throwing 20 interceptions. Jameis gets a lot of. Flack for throwing 30 interceptions last year. A lot of quarterbacks, there's Hall of Fame quarterbacks that have negative touchdown-to-interception ratios that were great. I, I I get it. From a fantasy perspective, I'm okay if Jameis throws four, four interceptions because he usually also throws five touchdowns. So for me, if I'm Sean Payton and I want to build a high-powered offense, I want a quarterback that can execute that high-powered offense, and Jameis has shown that he can execute a high-powered offense. Uh, He's going to make some bonehead plays, but a lot of quarterbacks make bonehead plays.
1: I think for me, uh, if Brees retires, the future quarterback of the New Orleans Saints is not on the roster right
2: now. Really? I thought you were going to argue for Taysom Hill. I like
1: Taysom Hill, and I think they'll give him a shot, but I think they're... They're not going to pin all their hopes and dreams on Taysom Hill, and they probably shouldn't. I just, for me, I don't – I thought it was an interesting move going and getting Jameis Winston. I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy that meshes well with Sean Payton in that system. I find it hard to believe that's going to be somebody that they want uh, long-term. I almost think if they were, if they were thinking about it long-term as a replacement, they would have taken the other free agent
2: out of their division, Cam Newton, over. Okay, Taysom Hill is uh, crying somewhere now, knowing that you've you've betrayed him. You've, oh, I've given
1: left. up on him. I have I have like twenty shares of Taysom Hill. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I I don't think you know he has no track record that would say they're just going to say, "Hey, we've got you, and that's all we need." That that's not realistic either.
3: Well, who do you think are some guys that would be available next season? So you know, Derek Carr, maybe. Uh, oh. You you know, I, know. <laughs> I, I don't well, think he's an awful quarterback, but he's he's kind of a game manager. See, I don't uh, know who Andy Dalton,
2: Joe Flacco saying?
1: is going to be available again.
2: <laughs> Dalton, Flacco, Newton will likely probably all be. actually I actually
1: could see Andy Dalton being okay in Sean Payton's system.
3: Yeah, I, you know, and he, that would give he'd give him probably four years. You know, he'd be what thirty five by the end of that, something like that. Thirty four. I,
1: I just think the thing with James Winston, we'll see. It, you know, this is really going to be a test of can he learn a little humility? Can he clean up some of his style? Uh, you know, it's going to be a different kind of situation. It certainly seems like part of. What soured him in Tampa Bay was not just that they had a chance to get Tom Brady, but that his he had had several different coaches, and he finally had Bruce Arians. If you were reading between the lines, indicate he's not really receptive to coaching, and I'm tired of this. Yes. You know, and I don't think Sean Payton is somebody that's going to put up with a lot of things. So that's probably the greatest unknown
2: so quarterbacks that could be free agents in 2021 actually a longer list than i thought it was going to be assuming they don't go the draft route dak prescott obviously we don't know he's, he's technically on the the franchise tender they could franchise him again so chances are he won't be but technically he could be philip rivers jacoby Brissett, mitchell trubisky ryan fitzmagic tyrod taylor andy dalton and, I mean, RG3 is probably, and Jameis Winston, obviously, RG3 is probably the last, I guess, the rest of these guys are not anybody I would think they take a shot on. So, who would you take at any of those guys? Again, you could add Cam Newton to that list as well. He hasn't signed a contract yet, but we would imagine he's only going to sign a one-year deal.
1: I feel like they just trade for Nick Foles because that seems to be what somebody does. It's
2: right. <laughs> he does nowadays, yeah. All right, so let's do some over-unders before we move on to the Atlanta Falcons. Over-under for Drew Brees in 2020. Again, over good, under bad. Just clarifying that up front so we don't have to ask. Drew Brees finishing as QB8, over or under?
3: I'm going to say over.
1: I think that's... Right about a good spot, so I'm going to say slightly under. I think he's top ten, but
2: I think he's lower half of top ten. Like it. that's my goal is to make you think about it every time. I don't want know. to give you. you I, set I up. think
3: eight is the number, but I had to pick one, so that,
2: that, that's what I that's what I like to hear. See, All if right, we're so, both
1: dissatisfied. Matt did his job right.
2: Exactly. That's what, I want you guys to leave here hating me an asshole right here is making me think too much all right so as we mentioned earlier his adp right now is at 198 he is being drafted as qb 23 just ahead of him ryan Tannehill, jimmy g and Kirk cousins again assuming you're only getting in for one more year would you take him over any of those guys
3: i take him over Tannehill and jimmy g
1: i take him over all three Kirk Cousins is dead to me, but also yeah. in Dynasty, if we're being honest, does Jimmy G or Ryan Tannehill necessarily have a long-term lock on their job either? I mean, if you're talking nah. about guys, you're riding for one year. Uh, yeah. You know, I like him over all three of those.
2: I would take him over Tannehill and Jimmy G. It'd be hard for me to take him over Cousins just because, uh, as you mentioned, Matt, he, he Cousins does have technically, I would say, the long-term Yes. viability there we know he just signed a new contract with minnesota's got a good team around him so i would still take cousins just so because Gary i would
1: kubiak like, pushes him off the team playing mid-flight
2: well you know what And he's gonna go down for man one and i don't think he wants to do that so <laughs> just You've under,
1: never had to spend time with kirk cousins
2: i have he's a wonderful wonderful human being he does great dad dances and everything he's a really good guy i don't hate on him <laughs> Cam Newton, Jordan Love, and Tom Brady all going right behind Drew Brees. I would not take any of them over him. I don't trust any of their futures. I think Brees has a better year than Brady, so I would keep Brees. Would you guys take any of those three over Drew Brees?
3: I think for one year, um, the temptation is certainly there for Brady.
1: I would not take any of those guys, and in fact, I, I don't. Re- I don't really understand the case for a few of them tom brady i guess if you if you thought that it was just going to be the greatest year ever but i i'm with you i think breeze probably finishes better than
2: him alvin kamara does he finish uh over or under rb8 this year
3: that's that's probably pretty close to the number again uh
1: i'm gonna say over over I'm going to hopefully take save it over as well.
2: I am going to take the over as well. I think he's going to have a little bit of a bounce back year this year. His ADP is four right now, and he is being drafted as the fourth RB. So we, we, we uh, know there's literally four RBs coming off the board, and the first three ahead of him are Zeke, Barkley, and CMC. So would you take him over any one of those three? Nope, no. I agree. Right behind him, all actually in the first round outside of CEH, which was actually very surprising to me. And CEH is going at 2.2. So would you take Cook, Mixon, or CEH over him?
3: I feel like if push came to shove and I'm in a draft, I'm probably taking Cook and Mixon over him.
2: Okay. I would take Cook. I would take probably just Mixon. I I, I don't, we all know that I, I'm not as big on CEH and Cook's injuries scare me a lot. I know I, Mixon's a little bit of injury history, but I, I think Mixon's going to be good this year. It
1: feels like a huge reach for CEH considering
2: we haven't seen him
1: play. Yeah. And there are strong reports that he's going to split at best.
2: Yeah. It's that chief's effect, man. That's, that's what we talked about with that rookie episode. I, I didn't buy into it just him going there. Uh, he's a great prospect and I do think he's gonna be really good for fantasy, but I I don't trust him going to that offense. But anybody associated with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, people think is gonna be fantasy goals. So, I mean, look at Sammy Watkins. That dude is some people still believe he's gonna break out in year fifteen or whatever it is now for his career. So I, I you know, I just don't see it. What were you gonna say, Dennis?
3: i say I did take Cook uh over okay. Kamara. I took Cook at uh RB four in a startup.
1: Yeah, I think I feel like Cook. Normally, when they're talking about the top four running backs this year in startups, it's been
2: four. Uh, he's got. If I remember correctly, I'll pull it back. It must I be real close. His, like, one oh, yeah, he was going to like one oh seven. It was Hopkins and not Hopkins, Thomas and Hopkins going ahead of him, and then Cook came in right behind them. If I'm remembering correctly, let me pull it up here. Yeah, his, his ADP is 7. He's going at right at 7 in almost every single draft. So he's getting drafted just behind those top three wide receivers. Michael Thomas, wide receiver 2, over or under? Over. Over. So you guys both have him as wide receiver 1. I'm going to take the under. You gave uh, us I really- no choice. <laughs> i think adams is gonna ball out this year and i guess i just gotta hope hopkins goes over him so obviously nobody's being drafted above him he is has an adp of uh three here wide receiver one he is going oh right behind him i'm sorry hopkins adams and tyree kill which was very confusing to me uh but would you take Chiefs any-
1: offense bump works for oh, receivers okay. as well as running backs
2: that so i should should have remembered what i was just saying so would you take hopkins adams or hill over over thomas never
3: nope
2: yeah i think if you had to make an argument for one which would it be i think we all agree it's not hill right at least it's not for me he wouldn't even be in the discussion
3: i i think if somebody said to me that they would they would take hill as their wide receiver one based on the offense and his explosiveness I, I wouldn't think that they were crazy. I I wouldn't do it myself,
2: but I, I could definitely
3: see somebody buying into it.
2: I don't mind them being your wide receiver one, but you're talking about drafting him at the back end of the first round. I'm talking about taking him as the wide receiver one. And I don't even like Evans, and I'm, I don't know, man. That's, that's a, a I, bit of a in my opinion.
1: I think the only one that I would – consider probably is hopkins because he has a solid contract situation playing with a young up-and-coming quarterback i think we all think adams might have a good year but as we pointed out when we were doing the preview he's on an expiring contract yeah there's some bad vibes coming out of green bay from their quarterback and passing situation I love Adams, but I don't know if long, if, you're, if you're thinking dynasty, you're thinking long-term. Michael Thomas yeah. has a real long-term contract. The only potential holdback for him is who's quarterback going to be. Hopkins has a long-term contract, has a good quarterback situation. The Chiefs, who knows? And Adams, I like the talent, but I don't know if, if I'm looking beyond 2020. Is that the bet I'm making? Yeah.
2: All right, so Emmanuel Sanders, uh, wide receiver thirty in twenty twenty, over or under?
1: Under.
3: Yeah, I think I'll go under as well. Uh, not by much. I, I think he could be in the top half of uh, the wide receiver threes, but more likely in the bottom half.
2: I agree. I'm going under as well. His ADP is one sixty five, being drafted as wide receiver seventy one, which I feel is a tad bit disrespectful. Going just ahead of him, Julian Edelman, James Washington, and Van Jefferson. I'll go first. I would take him easily over James Washington and Van Jefferson. I don't understand that one bit. I I would still probably take Edelman because I think he's the guy for the Patriots and going to be still the focal point for Stidham. Uh, But then next for me, it would be Sanders. What about you, Dennis? Would you take him over any of those three?
3: I can make the case for Van Jefferson um, at – you know, at, at one sixty five, you're, you're if you're in a dynasty, you're doing a dynasty startup. At some, you know, that's the area where you're weighing: do I go with these old guys that I know are going to get me wide receiver three numbers, maybe wide receiver twos, or do I go with a young guy that's probably not going to give me shit this year, but next year and going forward, he could be a wide receiver two. He could. You know, he looks van jefferson looks like he might be the heir apparent to cooper cup and we've seen the numbers that cup puts up mm-hmm. so you know cups coming he, he's almost 30 years old towards the end of a contract you know so i can make the case for van jefferson i wouldn't take washington over sanders uh, and edelman would be a coin flip
1: I would take Sanders over all three of those right now. I get what you're saying about Van Jefferson, but personally I you know I wanna see some they didn't they didn't draft him incredibly high in the draft like where we know this is our guy. He's got a shot, but there's a lot of unknowns. And Edelman has been a very reliable performer, but let's be fair, we're heading into June and it's either Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham as the quarterback in New England, we don't know what that offense is going to be. And we don't know that they don't flame out and then decide to really rebuild and he shuffles off somewhere else. So I would yeah. probably take Sanders in that range
2: right now. Just behind him, Alshon, Jeffrey, D.D. Dee Dee Westbrook, and Antonio Gandy-Golden. Any of those three over Sanders-Dennis?
3: No. I'm, I, I have a soft spot for Alshon, Jeffrey. Yeah. But I I don't think I would take him over Sanders. There's there's too much unknown with the wide receiver core in Philadelphia. So with Jeffrey coming off the foot surgery, thirty years old, he's a big wide receiver, six four, six five, six three something in there, two hundred thirty pounds, and coming off that Liz Frank. So he has a he has a history of soft tissue injuries as well. Uh, I know Sanders has had a couple pretty good pretty severe injuries but he's always bounced back really well from them. So uh, I, I, as much as I w- might want to draft with my heart, if faced with uh, Sanders and Jeffrey or uh, Westbrook or Antonio Gandy-Gold, and I'm going Sanders.
1: Yeah, I mean, in that range, you're talking about Sanders being a, unquestionably the wide receiver too and what we figure to be a high-octane pass offense. Westbrook. Has no sure position in Jacksonville. I mean, they took some receivers, a lot of questions there. Um, Gandy Golden, the entire offense for Washington is somewhat of a question. And then I'm with Dennis. I, you know, I've always liked Alshon Jeffrey back to his Chicago days, but he has trouble staying on the field. He's somebody that occasionally gives you flashes. I'd rather bet on Emmanuel at this stage.
2: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I would take him over any of those three guys. So last for the Saints, Jared Cook, uh, tight end 10 for 2020.
3: Yeah, uh, I can see him uh, hitting that. It's, you know, like I said before, it ends up being a situation where after about tight end five, there's probably 15 guys that could finish in the top, you know, six to 10.
1: The game is over under
2: Dennis. Yeah. Gotta pick yeah. one. Over.
1: Yeah you have to commit, sadly.
0: <laughs> over to
1: ish. Over ish. Okay. I'm Matt? gonna take I'm gonna take under ish. You know, I still think he ends up a, a tight end one, but you know, the ten to twelve range feels about right.
2: I'm going to go over. I think he's going to have himself a good year this year. Tight end. Uh, I'm sorry, ADP of 166 being drafted as the 22nd tight end off the board. Just ahead of him, Blake Jarwin, Cole Komet, and Ian Thomas. I would take him over Jarwin and Komet easily. I, I don't really see either one of those. Uh, Ian Thomas for sure over him, but I, I would take him over Jarwin and Komet. What about you, Matt?
1: Uh, I would take him over all three. I'm not an Ian Thomas believer
2: how dare you sir but
1: Dennis what about
2: you you know i it
3: would depend on how i'm building my team honestly thomas yes i would definitely take but kemet or jarwin if i'm if i'm not if i'm punting the tight end position i'm going to take probably either one of those guys over cook just based mm-hmm. on age um Again, I'm not a huge Cook fan. He's not terribly consistent. Ends up, you know, at the end of the year with numbers that look better over the course of a year than they do on a week-to-week basis. So I'd I'd probably take all three of them over Cook as I talk my way through this.
2: And underneath him, Adam Troutman, Jay Sternberger, and Dawson Knox. Dennis, would you take any of them uh, over Cook?
3: I'd probably take all of them over Cook, just again. So but
2: Cook. Gotcha. I'm, I'm,
3: you know, at that point, I'm definitely not drafting Cook as my starting tight end. Mm-hmm. And if I already have a tight end and I'm looking at Cook or one of these guys that could be better next year, I'm probably taking one of them.
1: Matt? I would probably take Dawson Knox over him.
2: I would, uh, as weird as this is going to be to say that, I'd actually probably take all three as well. I, I like Sternberger, and I'm a big fan of Dawson Knox, for any of you who listened last year. So, you know, I was actually both on, on both those guys. Troutman maybe, but uh, I would definitely take Sternberger and Knox over him. The Atlanta Falcons, they finished second last year in the NFC South, seven and nine. They did not make the playoffs. A lot of talk about Dan Quinn losing his job last year. They came out and said they are going to keep him at least for one more year, give him a chance to prove himself. What does Dan Quinn have to do to keep his job another year?
3: He can't start one and eight. Yeah, he's got to win. Do yeah.
2: you think if he makes the playoffs, he keeps his job? Like, Is this a Dallas Cowboys of 2020 situation where or 2019, where Jason Garrett had to make like Jerry Jones came out and said he's got to make it to the NFC you know championship game or the Super Bowl and Jason Garrett will likely keep his job. Is it one of those things where the Falcons have to go deep? Can they make the playoffs and get bounced in the first round? Like where where's the line at? You think for Quinn?
3: I think if they make the playoffs, Quinn keeps his job.
1: Uh, Yeah, because I mean, let's be honest. Dan Quinn has had some postseason success in his position. I mean, they did make a Super Bowl. They were winning a Super Bowl for three quarters, so it's not exactly like Garrett, where he had never really advanced past anything. They've hit a they've hit a rough stretch, uh, but I think what helped him keep his job is they started one and eight. They finished seven and nine, which means that they went six and one down the stretch and they look like they were putting it together. This is a team that's had a lot of injury trouble the last couple of years. I think if they can be solid and they can make the playoffs in a division where they're going up against breeze and Brady, I think that'll be enough.
2: All right. Well, we do get the extra playoff team this year. So may not <laughs> so even happen. They're there's a lot more. of
1: hot seat coaches that have picked to that seventh seat.
2: All right, so New additions. Uh, Laquan Treadwell, not that that really matters that much, but he was a new addition. Todd Gurley, Hayden Hurst, expiring contracts. They cut Devonta Freeman earlier in the offseason. Uh, they will possibly lose Alex Mack. Todd Gurley is on the one-year deal, and they also uh, lost Austin Hooper in free agency. The fantasy finishes for the Falcons. Matt Ryan finishes QB ten with two hundred and seventy four point nine points last year. Todd Gurley with the Rams finishes RB twelve with one ninety five. Devonta Freeman with the Falcons finishes RB twenty with one hundred and sixty point eight points. Julio Jones, wide receiver 4 with uh, 212.3 points. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver 23 with 165.5 points. And then Austin Hooper, tight end 6 with 146.2 points. Did miss 3 games with the average points of 12.18. He would have finished his tight end 2 on the season had he continued along that pace. I think there's a realistic shot he could have finished his tight end 1 with as good of a season that he was having. Will Matt Ryan continue to be a top 10 QB asset? He was a guy that we talked about with Bob Lung as well on Thursday, a guy that continues to get really underrated. Nobody really talks about him, yet he continues to finish somewhere in that top, uh, top 10 quarterback range. Do we think that continues moving forward in 2020, Dennis?
3: I do. You know, Matt Ryan is a, a, a really good quarterback, and he plays on a team with really good receivers Hayden Hurst is going to step right into the uh, Austin Hooper role and not miss a beat. Uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. Uh, We'll see what happens at the running back position. Some days I'm like, man, I'm all in. Gurley's, Gurley's the man. He's going to be just fine. And other days I'm like, I don't think anybody there knows what's going on when it comes to the running back. So it's uh it, the running back could be a mess. But if the running back is a mess, then you could be looking at 600 pass attempts for Matt Ryan.
1: Yeah. Well, plus the big thing that's propelled their pass offense the last few years is sort of a lack of pass defense. So I, I don't think they got markedly better in that area. I think Matt Ryan will still be a QB1, you know, and that could be anywhere from QB7 to 12 as a finish, but I think that he'll be right in that range and you won't really think about him that way until you see it finish.
2: I agree. I think he's going to finish closer to like the seven to eight range this year. I, I really think there's going to be a big year. I think Gurley comes in as probably one of their best pass catching backs that they've had uh, in, in a while too. I mean, Tevin Coleman could do it, but wasn't that great at his Same with Devonta Freeman. I think if Gurley can stay healthy, he's clearly the best back that they've had in a while. And if they could use him that, I, I agree with Dennis. I don't, think they have much really fantasy or nfl wise behind Gurley? they have a bunch of jags so i think if they can keep Gurley healthy uh with the way ryan used to dump off passes in that in that offense i think it could really be benefit him uh, even more i think he could be a really good quarterback this year Gurley is on the one-year deal do they quote-unquote ride him until the wheels fall off or do we think he's you know or i guess i should word that differently does he stay healthy all year and they, they ride him because of that, or do the wheels fall off and you think you're looking at maybe a another year where he misses, say, three to five games? Matt?
1: I mean, I think he'll have a, a decent year, and I, I think they will push and ride. It's not just them, though. You know, Todd Gurley took a one-year prove-it deal basically to say, yeah. I'm still me, uh, and you can't even do that if you – don't prove you are still you. So I think he's going to go out and go hard and uh, fill that role. And you call them just a guy behind him. I think those are a lot of people that are hoping to get up to the just a guy level. So that's another reason I think they're going to be happy to ride Todd Gurley.
3: Yeah, I I think Gurley, you know, if they're smart, they're going to do what? Uh, Sean McVay did last year. They're going to be a little heavier on the pass offense than LA because they have a better passing team, but they're also not going to ride Gurley for 25 carries a game in weeks one through eight. You know, they'll, they'll pace him. They'll let some of these guys work up to that Jag level. They'll spell him with Brian Hill, Quadri Allison, give Ido Smith a few, few passing down reps, uh, and work towards the playoffs. I think if Gurley can be in that 15 to 17 touch range uh, for the first eight weeks, and then they then they uh, kick up the workload going into the playoff push and into the playoffs. Yeah, then I think Gurley ends up getting another deal. But if anybody signs him for more than two years. With, without doing a front-loaded deal so you're not sitting on a bunch of money. I think that's crazy.
2: Julio Jones is someone we always, it seems, to forget about or not talk about in that elite wide receiver conversation. We did it earlier with Michael Thomas. We, we continually talk about Hopkins, Adams, and Thomas, but we never bring up Julio, yet he continues to be one of the best wide receivers in fantasy. So, how long does that continue for him, though? We've heard a lot of rumors that he could fall off or could retire early for the past couple of years due to all the injuries he's had in his feet. How long do you think he has as an elite at an elite level for fantasy?
3: I think he's probably got three more years. Um, again, part of it is due to the uh, injuries that he suffered. His injuries have all been foot related. And so, if he can stay on top of that, they'll they'll give him practices off. You know, he's not going to be practicing on Wednesdays. He knows the offense. He knows the game plans. Uh, he doesn't need the reps to get in sync with Matt Ryan that some of the other players are going to need. So Julio is an elite receiver. He had 157 targets, 99 catches, 1400 yards last year. Um, I would play
1: 15 games.
3: Yeah. And I would expect, uh, that to continue. You know, he's not going to probably have another 2015, you know, 203 targets, 136 catches, 1870 yards, but I could see him having another 1400 yard season pretty easily.
1: Yeah. I think he'll easily be in the top five again.
2: I agree. I actually think uh, losing Hooper is going to help him out a lot. I am not as high on Hayden Hurst as others are. I think the, he may soak up a lot of those targets that they lost with Cooper going uh, going to you know, the Browns. I don't
1: think it's the Russell Gage breakout year we've all had coming.
2: I don't. I'm not big on Russell Gage. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, do we think uh, Calvin really continues to be a wide receiver two for fantasy? Had that really good rookie year. Kind of had some really good breakout games. Suffered in some. Was very boom bust that rookie year. But last year seemed to be much more consistent. Finished as a wide receiver two. Does that continue in 2020?
3: I, I, yeah, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. Uh, you know, he had 93 targets last year. Being in the 100, 110 target range uh, is probably right where he's going to be. I don't know. I, I, you know, Freeman had 70 targets last year. Sanu had 42. So I definitely feel like there is an opportunity for Ridley to soak up some of those. Uh, Hooper had 97 targets. And while I expect Hurst to slide into that, I don't know that he's going to push for 100 targets. He's probably more of an 80-target guy. So I could see Ridley's targets going up to 125, you know, 80 catches and breaking the 1,000-yard barrier.
1: And I think the thing that holds him back maybe a little bit is can he stay healthy and can he stay on the field? Because you mentioned the 93 targets he he was only able to appear in 13 games last year only able to start 10 of them because mm-hmm. he had some of those lingering injuries he did a lot with his opportunities that he was given if he can stay you know on their 15 16 games i think he's a he's a mortal lock for over 100 targets
2: all right Where do we see, as I mentioned, I'm not big on Hayden Hurst. I think he's going to be fine for fantasy, uh, but I don't think he's quite as good as Austin Hooper. I was not big on him when he came out of college. What do you guys think about him coming in and replacing Hooper in this offense? I,
3: I think he'll be perfectly serviceable. You know, 80, 85 targets, 60 to 65 catches. He'll do what a tight end does. He'll block, he'll catch some passes.
1: Yeah, I think he'll be decent, too. I don't think he's going to match what Hooper did last year, but, um, yeah. Probably it, it, a
3: tight end one just because of the volume of the offense.
1: Okay. Well, and You have to wonder, too, if Hooper did some of what he did because they started losing other receivers.
3: Well, and also Hooper, 97 targets, but he only played 13 games. Yeah. So I guess it's probably if, if Hurst stays healthy for – 16 games i guess you know 85 90 targets probably isn't out of the
1: question either that or we are talking ourselves into the russell gage breakout year no one's yeah
2: i mean you may be i am not and i'll take as much as i don't like hayden hurst i'll take him over russell gage all right over under time for the falcons we got through them a whole lot quicker than we did the saints uh let's see here ryan qb8 on the year over or under
3: I'm going to take the under begrudgingly.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take a slight under, too. I
2: will. Yeah, I'll take the. I'll you take said
1: back. seven or eight. Nope, you can't go back.
2: <laughs> but you eight's said... the perfect spot, damn it. Okay, I'll, t- I'll take over. Yeah, Fuck. hey,
1: who made the sheet? <laughs> who made
2: the sheet? Let's go, Ryan. I'm buying all it now. Quarterback three. You know, break out?
1: in reality, I think what, what we have to consider what's going to be the ultimate decider of whether Ryan or Gurley find success is can they fix that offensive line because they drafted heavily in 2019 and were bitten with a lot of their picks going out they've tried to add to it again you know I think that was why Matt Ryan got off to a slow start and why some people didn't realize how good he was able to finish because he was able to figure it out and compensate but he was just getting trashed at the beginning
2: Yeah. All right, so his ADP is 133, being drafted as the 14th quarterback. Just ahead of him, Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones, and Tua Tagovailoa. Are you taking him over any of those three, Dennis?
3: Uh, I'm going to – I'd probably take Ryan over Rodgers. Okay. Tua is team-built, built-dependent. Um, you know, if I'm doing a startup with rook, rookies included uh, – if I'm drafting Ryan as my quarterback one, then I probably waited, so I'm going to take him over Tua. Uh, but if I drafted a quarterback earlier, I'm likely taking Tua over Ryan. But I take Daniel Jones over him pretty comfortably.
1: Matt- I don't think I would take any of them over, or, or him over any of them.
2: Interesting. See, I, for me. I would definitely take him over Rodgers and Tua. I think he's just been more proven. We've seen a slide for Rodgers for the past couple of years. He has not been as good as Aaron Rodgers. He's been an elite quarterback still, but Ryan's still finished over him. So I would take him over this. Jones would be the hard one for me because he brings you that rushing upside that obviously Matt Ryan doesn't. And I think that's why I'd probably still take Jones over Ryan, but I, I've – Again, I like Tua. I think he's a really good quarterback. I, I don't know how good he's going to be in Miami. I'm still worried about the injuries and him not producing at a level. Many think he will, so I would tell I take the proven deal in, in Matt Rise. I think he's still got four to five years left, so I can worry about getting younger later. So I would take Ryan – second jones would be the only guy i take over him just behind him jared goff matt stafford and drew lock uh i would not take any of them lock would be a question for me might be more of a coin flip uh but i would still take ryan over stafford and golf staff actually nothing but stafford might be a little bit of a coin flip too because i think stafford's in for a huge year but i'll take ryan because he's more consistent not, no worries about a you so lock coin flip but i take him over Stafford and golf what about you matt
1: I would take Stafford and lock over. him. Okay. I think
3: I'd take Stafford and lock as well.
2: All right. But to me,
3: it's like, I probably have Stafford and uh, Ryan probably pretty close to back to back in my rankings.
1: So let me, let me say when we're talking about this in terms of dynasty, a a thought I have in the back of my mind is if Atlanta does not make the playoffs and Dan Quinn is out, I think there is a, distinct possibility that they look at their division and they decide to blow it up a little bit in which case I don't what think what is the long-term future of Matt Ryan
2: I don't think Ryan goes anywhere I think he's a lifer with the Falcons with the way that uh, Arthur Blank talks about him I, I imagine he's gonna he's gonna be an Eli Manning I think he's gonna retire there maybe I don't know if Manning but, Manning was at the top of this game but I don't see him They just signed Ryan to a decent contract not too long ago I don't see him moving on from Ryan. I could be wrong. I'll pull up this contract here in a minute and, yeah. and look at
3: it. I'm pulling it up now. So
2: okay. well, I'll move on to the girly one and then or do you have it up?
3: Yeah. So Ryan is thirty five. They have an out after uh, potential out in twenty twenty two. So he's there for at least the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but even th- even with the out though, that's twenty six million in dead cap. So Really, 2023 is the season when uh, you know they only have eight million in dead cap. So,
1: so he's almost like the Rodgers contract. Then,
3: yeah, yeah, I ex- he's he's not going anywhere un- unless un- unless so he's thirty five. They decide they want to rebuild. If you get a team that's ready for a veteran to step in and perform at a high level, say maybe New Orleans. Now they're in the they're in the same division so it's unlikely. But that's a team where you could see somebody like Ryan coming in taking over for Breeze. Uh, you know, they wouldn't trade him in the division. I'm I'm pretty sure NFL teams just don't do that, but uh you
2: know, you know where it could happen? That team right there. Cleveland? Cannot, right. say Baker has a really bad year this year that front office isn't tied to him there's already talks about them not wanting to pick up his option uh Stefanski is part of the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree we all know he has very high praise for Matt Ryan you've got a team that's ready to win now I mean I don't get me wrong I don't want that to happen I would much rather see Baker succeed and be the quarterback there but if it does happen I call him here first back on May 25th of 2020 I will save that clip and prove everybody wrong Matt Brown.
1: gets traded, promptly retires.
2: Nah, he won a Super Bowl with the Browns, baby. Come on now. Look at that. Bringing all that swag and everything to Cleveland. Todd Gurley, RB14 in 2020. Over or under?
3: I'm going to say under.
2: Over. I'm going to go over, too. I think he's going to have a bounce back here. I like it. Uh, being well, what draft- did he finish last year? 12. He finished the 12 last year. All right. Year. So,
3: what's he bouncing back from?
2: You know, uh, no, he was, I mean, a, he uh, was an right. RB1.
3: Are you you calling him RB5 or?
2: Uh, RB3. We're going with the three <laughs> on this entire fucking offense. We're rolling with it. Yeah, I think he can finish closer to. I mean, you got to think about it. It wasn't too long ago. He was up there at the consensus top running back every single year. Right. I think, I don't know about five, but I think he could move up to seven, eight. I, I, a lot of people are buying into these guys like CEH. I mean, I love Taylor and Dobbins. I don't think either one of them is going to make it up there. It's too much of a committee backfield. I don't see anybody sharing the ball with, with, uh, with Gurley in Atlanta. I just don't trust any of those guys. So if he stays mm-hmm. healthy, I think he's going to be the guy for the Falcons.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're a team that, unlike the Rams last year, which were coming off the Super Bowl, he's in a team situation now where they're going to be feeling intense pressure all year to try to win and achieve and get in to the playoffs or else you don't know what's going to happen. I think it's a different mindset too.
2: And actually I want to say, no, nope, I'm thinking of the wrong team. All right. So uh, ADP of 56 being drafted as the 20th RB off the board, just ahead of him, Kenyon Drake, Leonard Fournette and Aaron Jones. Are you taking him over any of those three? Nope. Nope. I agree. Just behind him, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, and Melvin Gordon. We know one of those is off the board for Matt. So Dennis, would you take any of those three?
3: I'd probably take Montgomery over him. Uh, I don't, Singletary would be a tough call for me. You know, I'd I'd probably take Gordon over him as well, just based on being afraid of, uh, Gurley's health issues
2: okay
1: yeah so Matt? i think i think Gurley's gonna have a great 2020 i don't know how i believe in him long term i would take uh montgomery and single probably take singletary over him the other one's dead to me
2: <laughs> i think i'd just take singletary uh man, i still I might- hope
1: david montgomery is gonna
2: I'm so worried about him. Nick Nick talked me off. I walked off a cliff with Nick on my Montgomery the other day, how bad he was talking about him. I was so bought into Montgomery, too. Uh, I, I would take Singletary because I still believe in him. I'm not worried about Zach Moss. Montgomery would be a coin flip. I'm, Gordon's not dead to me, but I'm not a believer in Melvin Gordon, so I would still take Gurley over Gordon. Julio Jones, wide receiver five in 2020. Over how dare or- you? How dare you? What do you think? Over or under. A slight over. Slight over. All right.
3: Man. Why can't you go like five and a half?
2: because <laughs> that doesn't make it any <laughs> five. Like five.
1: Um gosh. Just foreshadowing our entire summer, isn't it?
2: we'll, yep. we'll change it to over-under-push moving forward. We'll hear a lot of pushes on. This no!
1: Side. You can't do it after yeah. we've already gone through I'm 16. Kidding, I'm kidding, I'm yeah.
2: Kidding. Um uh, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take. I'm take the over as well. I'm I've, I've all in on Matt Ryan finishing his QB three, so I've got to take the over now. At this point, all right. His ADP is uh, of 31, being the 13th wide receivers drafted off the board, which is ridiculous in my opinion. Just ahead of him, Galladay, Amari um, Cooper, and Odell Beckham Jr. Who would you take him? I'm going to be honest. I'm taking him over Odell and Cooper, and it hurts me to say that. Uh, but he's been more consistent. I would still take Galladay because I think Galladay really had a huge year last year, obviously, younger. I love him there with Stafford. So Galladay and then Julio for me. What about you, Matt?
1: Yep, same. I would take
2: Galladay, but the other two.
1: You know what? I love Galladay, and
3: I don't think I could bring myself to take him over Julio.
2: Hey, I hey, don't blame you on that. I think that's, that's not it's a weird. bad call.
1: Do you think he's going that low because people just think he's like one more year?
2: Yes. Well, so that's the thing that that's been the discussion for the last few years on him, which is why I brought that up, that it seems like every year it's like, God, this is the year Julio falls off. And I do think obviously the fact that he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns as well hurts him. He, he gets all those catches and yards, but he never really seems to find the end zone. He did a little bit more last year, if I'm remembering correctly. But before that it was like a three, maybe four touchdowns every single year, which is obviously what hurt Odell as well. Last year, he only got in the end zone three times. Uh, that- I I will say,
1: like, Julio Jones feels like the kind of player that you are really glad you have him on your team if you're just planning to play him. But I have observed the last two years he's almost untradeable because you can't get the kind of return that you should be getting.
2: Agree, yeah, because everybody, as you mentioned, everybody's worried this is it. Like, this is the year he finally falls off that cliff. And so nobody wants to buy him, assuming he's going to to fall so, off.
1: So, Atlanta basically is forming the all-in tradable team because no one really thinks of Matt Ryan as QB1. Nobody thinks Todd Gurley's got, like, a long-term future. So, you know, you might have some great assets in 2020, but don't trade,
2: trade. All in. All in for 2020 right now. Uh, just behind him, Allen Robinson, Ceedee Lamb, and DK Metcalf. Uh, there ain't no way in hell I'm taking any of those three over him. What about you guys?
1: Same. Uh, let me see. So you should, those are the guys under him.
2: Yeah, going right behind him. Like that's where, that's how far back he's getting drafted. That's that's my point. There's no way I'm taking a Rob, Ceedee Lamb, or Metcalf over Julio. Even though I mean, two of those guys have obviously chances for very for longer futures. Hey, robs kind of up there in age with them. So, but I'm not taking Lamb or Metcalf. I mean,
1: I don't think it's a good idea, but I might take Lamb.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. To each their own. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, 22 in 2020. This should be an easy one, in my opinion. But
3: I'm going to go over. You know, before I give my answer, it just seems like Alan Robinson is as old as Julio Jones. But Allen Robinson, 26 or twenty-seven? Yeah, he's twenty-six. Wow. I
2: didn't know that. I thought he was like thirty. Okay, no, well, he's only twenty-six. Robinson he just? He's trapped in like a terrible quarterback situation. He, poor guys never had a decent quarterback.
3: Back to Ridley, uh, twenty-two.
2: He finished 24 last year, if I'm remembering correctly. 23,
3: Actually, 23. 23. Yeah, I'm so. gonna take I'm, I'm gonna take the over.
2: As am I. His ADP is 40, the 19th wide receiver off the board, just ahead of him. Cooper Cup, Cortland Sutton, and DK Metcalf. Are you taking any of them over him?
3: Definitely taking Sutton.
2: Definitely taking Sutton.
3: Metcalf. Uh, yeah. It depends on how I feel about Metcalf at the time. Uh or more, more so, I guess it depends on how I feel about Tyler Lockett at the time if I'm looking at Ridley and Metcalf. If I'm in one of those, man, I, I just read some positive stuff about Tyler Lockett and I think he's going to make a comeback, and I'm looking at the stats and thinking, all right, this is feasible, then I might go Ridley. But if I'm like, man, Tyler Lockett sucks and he's always injured, then I might go, uh, go uh, Metcalf. Um, And honestly, I could see the case for Cup as well based on volume. Um, But I I think Sutton is really the only one
1: I would take over Ridley, I think. Yeah, I would take him over Metcalf and Cup as
2: well. Okay. Uh, I would probably do this – I would definitely take Sutton. I'd probably take Ridley over Metcalf. Uh, Even with Lockett being hurt, he's still likely going to be the one for the most part, and Ridley will – I'd take Ridley over Metcalf just because the Atlanta offense, I think, is going to be more pass heavy than what we're going to see in Seattle. So I'm going to take that shot on him probably getting more targets than Metcalf. Obviously, you don't know with, as Dennis, you just mentioned the Lockett injury. Metcalf could still be the one of that offense if Lockett's hurt. I'm going to take the the chance that Lockett isn't. Cup's the interesting one for me. I'd probably still take him over Cup just because I've never been that big of a Cooper Cup guy. Uh, but that would be more of a coin flip for me. Right below him. Allen, Allen, why am I not remembering who this is? Keenan, Keenan, Allen, right? I don't know why I forgot about him. Keenan, Allen, Jerry, Judy, and DJ Chark. Uh, I would take Chark and Allen over him pretty easily. Judy would be a coin flip because I think they're both going to be in very productive offenses. I guess it just – for me, I believe in Ryan more than I do Locke at this moment, so I would take Ridley over Judy, but I I could see it going either way with those two. What about you, Matt?
1: I would not – take any of those three over
2: Ridley. You wouldn't take Keenan Allen over Calvin Ridley? Really? I wouldn't take
1: I am not a huge fan of Keenan Allen.
2: Huh? Okay. Man, you just hate like all the Chargers. <laughs> okay. Dennis, what about you?
1: I well um, also the Chargers, let's be real. We don't know what their offense is going to be for the next two not, years. And yeah. Allen is in a contract here. They'll be
2: fine. I've got Justin Herbert. They'll be fine. Don't roll
3: your eyes. You know, for me, I would probably take Chark because I think Chark is going to be a a volume wide receiver one. So he's going to out-target Ridley. I think he's going to have the opportunity. Allen, um, I'd still take Allen over Ridley as well. He's still the alpha uh, in Los Angeles, Uh, whether it's Tyrod Taylor, whether it's um, Justin Herbert or whether it's Easton Stick, Keenan Allen is going to get the ball.
2: It's going to be Justin Herbert. Why you guys hate that man so much? Hurts my heart. I, I don't hate him. I've been drafting hate him.
1: him. I've taken him a few times.
2: Well, yeah. There's a lot of slander going on about that poor kid right well, now. Well, it's
1: because they're going to play Tyrod Taylor for a while, and he's not going to I get like a chance. See, it's games. the same reason. Over.
2: I like Tyrod, Two games. under. Uh, I no, should go through it. I
1: mean, I think it's very possible Justin Herbert gets the same situation as Locke had last year, which when you get him on the field, it's really great, and everybody builds excitement for the following year, but it may take half a season to get him out there.
2: Ah, uh, I don't think it'll take that long. Hayden Hurst tied in 12 in 2020, over under?
3: I'm going to take the over.
2: I'm going to take the Under.
3: I don't have an don't, argument to make for taking it,
1: but that's what I'm taking.
2: I'm going to take the over. I, 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 I'm with you. I don't think he's going to be as good as everybody thinks he will be. ADP, wait, wait, wait. What? If you took the over, you think he's going to ah, be. damn a- it. I, I messed my own you, stuff up You that.
1: don't understand the rules of this conference. I understand the rules of
2: my game. The uh, ADP of 135, tight end 16, just ahead of him, Herb Smith, Rob Gronkowski and Mike Gesicki, are you taking him over uh, any of those guys?
3: It'd be a coin flip with Gronk, but I'm going to take Irvin Gesicki over
1: him pretty comfortably. Yeah, I wouldn't take him over any of those guys probably.
2: Uh, I would take him over Gronk easily. This is not even a discussion for me, but not Gesicki or Irv Smith. Uh, Just behind him, Jonu Smith, O.J. Howard, and Thomas. Any of them over him.
3: I'd probably take Smith and Thomas over him, uh, but again, it would come down to how I'm building the team. Um, if I'm looking, if if I'm taking a tight end one, uh, I might be inclined to take Hurst o- over the three of them. But if I'm if it's my second tight end, I would probably take definitely take Smith and Thomas over him, and it'd be a coin flip with Howard.
1: I would not take any of them over him.
2: I would take Smith and Thomas. I, I would not take OJ Howard over over him. Uh, all right. So that wraps up the top two teams in the NFC South for us. We will be back next Monday to do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And why am I forgetting the last team here? Carolina lately? Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we've got Bob Harris coming on with us Thursday. So we're excited about that. That will be a lot of fun. So everybody else uh, enjoy the rest of your Memorial Days and we will be back again on Thursday.
3: Thank you for your service.
0: Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on red. You got your pop on red. I came out the whole line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only oh, they tackle him in the courtier. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! I can.